0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Wednesday, it's the 24th of January, 2024. Coming up today, that promised Be My Eyes demo. And we're talking about driverless cars again, this time from Uber. You're
0: listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your host Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean
2: Priest, how are you today? I am gorgeous, thank you, Stephen Scott. How are you, sir? Oh, we
1: have so much news to get through. I don't know how we're going to manage it. We won't. There's a lot, right? So uh, we've got Google News, we've got Apple News. Um, can I start with my uh, Apple 40th? Mac celebrations. Uh, Have you been course, following this?
2: Of course. Well, I've been following you following it because you went shut up about it. But, uh, uh yes, yeah, so I mean, you-
1: officially, now, when is the date of this actual? Because uh, I, I get mixed up if it's actually today or tomorrow, but I think it might be today. Um, the actual Macintosh 40th anniversary, which is very exciting uh, because it gives all of us a chance to reflect on the good old days of Mac. Oh,
2: here we go. Stephen's school days on the Apple II or whatever it is, on the Lisa or something. Well, go on. you. My first oh. Mac... Well, actually, what, I can't call it a, It was
1: a PowerBook back then. It wasn't a MacBook. And it was the uh, PowerBook 145... And it was it black and white, or grey and white, I suppose. And <laughs> that was the machine and the, the screen. <laughs> yes. uh, no colour in those days. Uh, yes, children, that's right. Google it if you don't believe me. And, um, yeah, basically we had this... La- and, and the funniest thing about it was, of course, at the time you didn't find it funny because you didn't know any different, but they didn't have trackpads back then either. What? So it was an actual ball from a mouse. Now, of course, children today... Your mice, if you, if you if you even touch a mouse on a computer, uh, doesn't have a ball in it anymore. But the old ones did. It's a laser uh, in order mouse. to move it around. And uh, yeah, today it's all very fancy with lasers and whatever else. But then it was just a ball.
2: They don't know the joy of uh, no. unclicking the little holder there and cleaning your ball and and pulling the hair out. <laughs> just... Sticking your fingernail—I
1: had to wait for my fingernails to grow. Remember that you'd have to wait till your fingernails got to a point where you could get your index finger and your mm, thumb—the yep. original double tap—you uh, had to get your thumb <laughs> and your finger in there to grab hold of the bit, just a little bit of hair or, or oose
2: or, or the, whatever it was. He used to have rollers inside. inside there.
1: Yeah, that's right, little rollers inside, and they'd, they'd catch all the hair. It was oh. like inside of a vacuum. It was gross. So you would pull it out, and it would just come, and this big hair ball would come out of it. It was weird, beautiful back in those days beautiful and the thing was when i was at school I, my thing was i used to love to clean all the mice in the school i don't know i, I clearly needed Nerd. help <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> other kids are coding and i'm like i'll clean your mouse so you know there you oh. are unclick and pull the ball out and I had to sit it all out you know I had to make sure the ball didn't roll away because of course that was another problem if it fell on the floor and disappeared that was that mouse was done um But yeah, so you had had to clean the mice out. Ah, those were the days. I can't believe you just admitted to that. I used to love cleaning. I did. And the thing was, you had to do exactly the same thing on the inside of that Mac or PowerBook as it was then. You had to do the same thing with it. Because sometimes sometimes you would try and move left on the screen. You'd be rolling the ball and it wouldn't go. Mm. And you think, oh, it's filthy again, right? (laughs) Don't worry, I'm on the case. And I have to clean it all out.
2: I think I know today's episode title, but I'm not going to say it.
1: Okay, I'm intrigued. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Actually, I think I'm getting yes. there as well. Um, so, yeah, that was, I mean, you know, that was my first ever experience with it. And no accessibility, really, on there at all. I mean, we're talking, I was using, I mean, today we're talking about macOS, what we on, 14? Is it 14 we're on? I, I, I can't remember the numbers no anymore. No idea. Um, but, you know, whatever the update, I mean, I was using uh, System 7 back in those days, System 7 and then, I remember getting so excited when 7.5 came out. Oh. It was such a big deal. We're talking mid-90s. Yeah, kind of early mid-90s. And it was, you know, like the biggest day ever. And then, you know, I had the Mac Classic, uh, which was a fantastic little machine I used at school. Uh, then later, of course, the LC2 came along. And that was like a different world as well because you could start to play games then. And it was I mean, very rudimentary, but you could start to play games. Then I get into the world of zip drives. Remember them? Oh, wow. Yes, I do. That was my first experience. So I was on a Mac with a zip drive, which could hold 100 megabytes of data.
2: Uh, I think that was a page inside a book of a library. <laughs> Can you um, remember when you used to think, who's ever going to need 100 meg? I, I remember getting my first gigabyte hard drive and going, I'm never going to fill this up. <laughs> now it's
1: terabytes. <laughs> yeah, ter- exactly. and all the rest. Uh, but yeah and then we moved on so I had the and I'm trying to remember the the actual number of this but it was the same PowerBook I think it was the 190C that's the one that rings in my my mind and there was something quite cool about this because it was the first colour one that I ever saw and it had a trackpad but the trackpad I remember and this is again so funny when you think back and it doesn't feel that long ago but I remember being taught I had to go on a training day at school to be taught how to use the trackpad because we had never experienced it before.
2: What is this couldn't strange understand.
1: Thing? It's so yeah, alien. Yeah, I couldn't understand how the, the, how do you move the curse? I kept saying to the teacher, but how do I move it? And she said, you got to put your finger. And we did this thing where she would take my hand, right? And she'd put my, she would take my hand, she'd put my index finger on it. And she'd push, like push, <laughs> as if I was pushing a, I don't know, a mouse up a hill or something, you know. And it was just like pushing on this trackpad. And that was Aww. how I was taught how to use a trackpad. That's exactly how I continue to use them all today. <laughs> push,
2: push this thing. And you were just asking, but how do I clean it? How can I pull the I, hair I, there's out? There's of no it?
1: cleaning components here. I've bought I've all this cleaning agent stuff. I've I got, I've got this. towels. This is ridiculous. But uh, yeah, that was my first colour one. And uh, the other th- the cool thing about that one was it was featured in Independence Day. Um, so Jeff Goldblum in the film uses it to determine the time. When the aliens are going to, you know, blow up the world. Does he? Yeah. That oh. was a, it was a Mac, it was a, it was a PowerBook 190C he used. Wow. And I was so happy that day when I found out that was the one he was using. Because I was like, that's the one I've got. <sighs> you Again, no now? accessibility. You- no accessibility at all. And then you've you got to really dig around. Because the thing with accessibility on the Mac, a lot of people think, because voiceovers are around, people think, well, it just came with the Mac. You know, it was just part of the process. But it wasn't. In fact, it was only System 8 that we started to get a little bit of accessibility, and it wasn't through voiceover. It was through a program called Outspoken, which you might remember. Um, now, in, in actually, looking into this today for the show, I actually found, weirdly, a website called um, MacintoshRepository.org. I hope this is okay as a website. I imagine it is. <laughs> um, but it has on there outspoken you can get version 8 you can go download it it's really? still there uh, will yeah. it run well not on any existing Anything today oh, mac okay. or any new mac today i guess if you had an old enough mac perhaps kind of wish i had an old mac i'm kind of tempted to trail ebay after this and get myself something ancient to play with probably cost but, a um, fortune right now well yeah exactly that's that's <laughs> the thing especially the older power books and even even the mac classics are like three four hundred dollars you know five hundred dollars some cases so it's
2: funny I didn't really the Mac wasn't even on my radar until until they brought out that, that one that, that took the world by storm because of its funky design. You had the coloured one the first iMac. Uh, the one with the CRT with like the, the yeah, ocean yeah. blue, yes. You had that one. And then you had the uh, the one which was like a lamp. It was on like a uh, like a stand. Yeah, that was that was an, they were all IMAX, all IMAX. Yes. Mm. Then everyone started to take notice and started to go, "Ooh, look at this! This is so futuristic and beautiful." Um, but before that, I had no Mac was nowhere near on my radar. It was purely for DTP, um, desktop publishing, or you know, for media. That was it. It was all PC, baby. Yeah,
1: I mean, it would have been the same for me as well. I think the difference was at school they did invest in Macs, and I think that was the case. You know, in the early days, it was certainly the case that Apple had put a lot of work into getting Macs into schools. Now, I wasn't at a specialist school for blind kids. I was at a mainstream school. So that's possibly why they were they were there and, and they were, you know, so prevalent. Um, but that was really why I got into the Mac because of, you know, it, it was the first computer I ever came up against. Of course. I remember PCs were around. We had them in the school, but no one really touched them. No one really bothered with them. Everyone used the Mac. And it was only certain kids who you could tell would be, I don't know how I feel about this, but you could sometimes tell certain kids would get, you know, certain kids were just going to become Windows users. That's all I'm going to say. You know, I'm not going to say they were boring. Um, how, how very dare you? The creative <laughs> types were interested in the Mac. You oh. the boring kids that wanted to be accountants, they would all go off and use <laughs> a PC. Oh, Excel spreadsheets, very good, yes, very good. Sorry, what country did you go to school in? <laughs> 1950s America.
2: <laughs> well, hey, this Excel thing's going to really take off. <laughs> we, <laughs> we didn't even have PCs <laughs> at my school. We had something called the... Dust. BBC Micro. Oh God! Yes. Ah, it was. Did that have anything to do with the actual BBC? Was that like a BBC like broadcaster thing, or was that just the name of it? I have no idea. I'm going to Google that after. It's just because I used to go to computer club uh, after school. Nerd. (laughs) (laughs) And we used to code little programs. Balls of the mice. Uh, You probably saw me there. God, we're terrible. Oh, you ever wondered why that mouse is moving so smoothly? Hello. <laughs> I suddenly realise why my family just sort of tune out every time I talk to them. I now <laughs> understand that perfectly. <laughs> You've got it right. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, mouse
1: ball discussion—that's what did it.
2: <laughs> BBC Micro. Even at college, we used Unix terminals off a of mainframe. Yeah. Um, we didn't even use. <laughs> we didn't even code for Windows back at back at college. So it wasn't until things like Doom came out that i started getting into pcs it's really uh, it's really strange but i, I find it interesting and it, it sort of goes back to the iphone or android discussion right it's, it's funny how you have flipped and flopped around on you know which system to use mm. but because you that experience you had at school of the mac the mac really has sort of got into your veins hasn't it it's really in your blood absolutely i think that's what it is I, and also i was
1: always the kid at school who was different for many, many reasons, not just the mouse ball incidents. Um, but you know, other things as well. I mean, I, I wore a tank top to school. Uh, I was the only kid in school to wear one.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's stop right there. What Milk do you mean? Milk
1: bottle glasses.
2: Just the tank yeah. top. Nothing else. I, I mean, even... I know, other other clothes. I mean, I wore other clothes um, as well,
1: but you know, okay. just you know, the tank top did stand out for a lot of people. I think they thought I was one of the teachers when I walked into the class. <laughs> Smoked um, a pipe. Yeah. I, I was more interested in the teachers. i talked taught more to them than the pupils. I couldn't care less about the pupils. I, hate, I, I hated kids then. So, you know, right. it was just, uh, yeah. So, you know, but anyway, I was, uh, for that reason, very different and lots of interesting stories, I'm sure I could share on that. I'm not going to, but... Um, yeah, I think we should move yeah, th- on. There's a lot but to get I will for- say, well, exactly, yeah, we- <laughs> we're always short on time i can't think why but uh yeah so outspoken was the first kind of accessibility tool i remember going back and it's funny because I, I was looking at some of the voices that were in there so you had and this is of course the, what they call the novelty voices today in voiceover but they were the original voices yeah so you had albert you had fred hello
2: fred yeah
1: fred hello oh no, i'm fred <laughs> uh junior uh kathy princess uh ralph as well all those names that just oh my god it takes me right back to school days all those voices every time i hear those voices i'm just right back there uh, it's like a, you know you hear a song on the radio and suddenly you're transported somewhere yeah that's the case when i accidentally hit on any of these novelty voices inside voiceover um but voiceover itself uh, interesting can you remember the year it came out can you remember when it arrived on the mac oh no 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 idea when would you guess when would you think voiceover came around
2: Oh, okay. I would say, uh, before I, I would say 2000, 2005. Really? Wow. That's a shocker, isn't it? I know. It doesn't seem
1: that long ago. In fact, it wasn't that long ago, really. Um, 2005, April 29th to be exact, because that's when Apple brought out macOS 10.4 Tiger, Mac OS X 10.4 Tiger, and included in its list of features was this thing called VoiceOver Screen Reader. So there you go. Um, that, That's... Now, we did we did get something. We did get something back in 10.2, which was Jaguar, mm. which uh, introduced universal access. You oh. might remember that, because uh, that, that was one of the first ones to come along. And that actually did have a number of features for people with visual hearing and physical disabilities. But it was VoiceOver itself, and it became VoiceOver, in 2005 Well at least voiceover kind of became its own thing in 2005 and it went on from there and it was different from narrator at the time because you know it didn't just follow the, the keyboard focus as you moved around it it kind of gave you more than that it, it gave you a rich set of commands for interacting with the the GUI as they called it the graphical user interface and you know it let you actually take some control over the system And then um, they didn't stop there because in 2007, when uh, Mac OS X 10.5 came along, uh, they brought out the VoiceOver (gasps) 2.0. And then, of course, that improved and continued um, and continued right through 2007 to 2009. Of course, that was when the year, uh, the year we saw uh, the uh, iPhone get VoiceOver as well. And it kind of moved on from that. 2010, VoiceOver came along for the iPad. I mean, again,
2: it doesn't, it seems like it should have arrived earlier than that, but it well, didn't. I was, uh, when I said 2000, I was thinking it's going to be like mid-90s or something. And I, I kind of want to say, "Why, that's terrible, only 2000. But when you think about it, when did we actually get a usable Narrator with Windows? That's only fairly recently. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't feel that long ago. But no, before that, you, the Narrator wasn't any good for real accessibility, really using a computer. We relied on third party that's the only reason the PCs were accessible, thanks to Jaws and Dolphin and whatever else. Um, so, yeah. But there was something
1: interesting about that, though, because you know, and there's something else that happened in 2005 that people might not have clicked on right away. It's something I did pick up on, and I think a few other blind people did as well, was when Apple introduced the Mac Mini, it had its base retail price was $499. And that meant that you could get a Mac and VoiceOver built in. So you suddenly had an accessible computer, which was much, much less expensive than buying a computer and, say, JAWS, as you would have probably had to do back then. In fact, you would almost certainly have had to do. So interesting, right? That you, you know, in 2005, Apple was kind of at the the beginnings of something it probably didn't even realise because it was making an accessible product from, you know, an accessible computer point of view, but also an accessible price point as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you very rarely associate Apple with you know very Never affordable, did. accessible hardware. But in that case, absolutely. And I think that one was the first time we started to hear about headless computing, where, hey, I don't need a screen because right. the speaker was built in and you could run it without. And that's slightly changed now because now you're going to need to use an HDMI dummy to initially set it up and whatever. But that's the first time where you know us as a community thought, hang on. I don't need a screen to make this work. I can just use this little, and what a great design the Mac Mini was as well. Absolutely. Um, So yeah, 40 years of the
1: Mac, I will be uh, raising a glass of... Apple? Probably. Cider. It'd be appropriate to be apple juice, wouldn't it? Yes. Um, Really. Um, But yeah, I'll be raising a glass to that for sure, because you know, it's been a part, I mean, not part of my life that long, but it's been in my life since pretty much school days. yes. And, you know, I think you're right because I do, I go between windows and I go, and I can, I get so frustrated with myself and I don't know why because I've got both computers. I don't know why I feel like I'm cheating on one with the other (laughs) every time I use the other. I feel so bad for the Lenovo. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'll use you tomorrow. I promise.
2: i'll visit tomorrow but both systems have just do any babies have their positives and negatives right that's that's the thing if you can, if you can have access to both you just left that one alone I, I, i'm not touching that I, we've already talked about other things that i think we shouldn't have done um both systems so i totally get if you got access to both systems you would use both systems right but there's always one you prefer there's nothing wrong with android but i just prefer i feel more comfortable on an exactly, iphone yeah. and there's no yeah. reason for that other than hey it's what I'm used to is what I started with.
1: So, moving on to Google, who've introduced new generative AI features in Chrome for Mac. I'm so sorry, it's really Mac today, but uh, yeah, I mean, I know that Windows PCs are getting a lot of this as well. But the Chrome release from Mac, it says for Windows PCs in this article as well, but it says it's equipped with three experimental generative AI features, promising a more streamlined and personalized browsing experience. Oh, I'm going to jump through these because I don't think they'll be particularly exciting to most people. But you know, I don't know uh tab organization made easy i'm getting bored already um does this matter to you so you can now uh, apparently automate the process of managing numerous tabs i just close them all down yeah no
2: i just control w close the tab down and whatever no not interested in tabs carry on ai powered custom themes so you can extend the text image diffusion
1: model to Chrome for personalized themes. You can create custom themes based on your preferred subject um, mood. This is all visual stuff, right?
2: Well, unless there's some sort of high contrast, because I did use high contrast for the longest time. And in fact, I've got it on. I've got a monitor in front of me for some reason. And I, I do have high contrast on because it it is basically dark mode, right? And I don't want... <laughs> Well, that could be useful,
1: yeah, because it does say you can, you know, generate themes on mood, visual style and colour. So you could say, for example, because you know, it's funny, even dark mode sometimes, for some people it's too dark. So they want to be able to customise, like if you could say, for example, could you make the, the screen brighter, but could you have the the, the background as black as possible and the text as, you know, bright as possible, that could really help someone or contrast it with maybe yellow text or- Or just turn on the screen curtain. That's what makes us- Yeah, but you know, a lot of you-, a lot of you look, look, let's be honest, it's low vision people are going to use a lot of that, right? Of course, And yes. people, of course. But you know, it's, it's going to be, if you're going to look at the accessibility viewpoint, it's going to be low vision people who'll use this to customise the look of their screen. So I think that's great, actually. I think that's a great thing. Um, also, um, AI writing assistance. This is kind of appearing everywhere. It's becoming so old, uh, so early, right? Although it's really useful. Um, they're saying here, you know, you'll be able to right-click on a text box or field and select help. Help me write to inf- initiate the writing process. Ideal I for crafting reviews, RSVPs, or inquiries. The AI provides a confidence boost for users expressing themselves online. Mm-hmm. Again, this uh, this is just a way of, and I know some people who who do use these features who find them really useful. I mean, crafting an email for some people can be a real challenge, knowing the right thing to say, or, you know, they know what they want to say, but they just can't quite get the words in the order. And so AI can really help with that. And it does build confidence, you know, especially Absolutely. if it's your email. It's not like it's you're asking it to write an email based on something else. It's like your information that's working off. So it is in your Maybe not voice, but in your style, I guess.
2: Well, that's exactly the point I was going to raise. I really struggle to write emails. I, I mean, mm. I, I just blurt out, much like I present, actually. I just blurt out things and, um, you know, I need to go back and I, I, I reread it and I change it. It takes me quite a while to do things like that. I don't know why that is. I'm just not great at it. So um, something like that. I mean, as long as it's got the information I want to get across, I actually don't care. As long as it reads correctly and sounds nice, then I'm all for it. Um, apparently, Teams
1: are going to try and make, um, it says making it easier to control your webcam and audio during meetings. I kind of like it if they just made Teams easier generally. I mean, it's, um, that's where AI could really come in. If I, all joking aside, with Teams, I mean, I know everyone loves to pick on it and I'm one of them, but this is where AI could really be good because... Teams is such a beast of an application, almost overly complicated. I just love to go into it and just hit a button that would bring up a, a, a you know a voice input or a text input box, and just say you know join my next meeting, instead of having to faff around oh, jumping yeah. through hoops to try and find the join button and then and you know have things like your camera and your microphone already preset. You know, a lot of times I've gone in and it's changed. I'm like, why is it changed? Or you join. You say you want the camera activated and you want audio activated. And then when you join the room, it says, oh, your audio is muted. And you have someone saying, oh, your audio is muted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Shut up so I
2: can hear my screen reader so I
1: can turn it on. Yeah. Um, Can I just say to all the sighted people out there, (laughs) if you're in a meeting and there are blind people joining the room, if you tell them the mic is muted, you only need to do it once. Because I guarantee
2: you, if they didn't
1: hear you the first time, they're not going to hear you the 18th time. Well
2: done. That's a um, public service announcement there from Stephen Scott. Shut the heck up.
1: That's what I'm Hold asking on. you to do. I just
2: shut up. I, I, I get so annoyed with Teams because, I, I mean, it's it's okay. It works okay. Absolutely fine. It just seems so cumbersome to, to to get around. And as you said, it just seems far too bloated. It reminds me of the iTunes back in the day. iTunes for me was just so difficult to get around and I didn't really understand every aspect of it. And I feel the same way with Teams. I want Skype back, and I never thought I'd say that. Well, it's funny you say, at
1: least, at least Skype, there was one version of it. I know, well, actually there wasn't, really was. There, there was probably mixed versions of that as well, but there was there was the <laughs> yes. one, I remember, was it Skype 8 was the one that was, like, accessible? Yes, well, yeah. Everything on that kind of felt, beyond that fell apart. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting. But apparently this new version, what they've done is, <laughs> I mean, this is in some ways so simple, really. Just next to where the audio or the mute button and the, the, the stop camera button is, uh, they've put a drop down next to it. That's basically what they've done. So now you can choose your camera from there without having to dig in through the settings to do it. Now that sounds simple and it is, and of course it's a lot easier. It's also been available in every other type of application like this. I'm looking at <laughs> you, them for years. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's, it seems, because that was the thing with Microsoft Teams. It always felt like you had to really go digging around to find the settings to do
2: what you wanted to do. Yeah. And there's some cool stuff in there. But, you know, if you're there in a is? meeting, you just want to get to the meeting, right? Some I don't cool want to be tech in there. And it feels yeah. like you need your own IT department to find anything or get around it. It feels like it's built by the i t department that's the problem <laughs> uh listen
1: we didn't even get to the news about Apple car. apparently, that's all been delayed oh. um yep, scaled down um as well, so a launch now planned for twenty twenty eight for Apple car. With some autonomous features. Oh, um, we did okay, get we'll come to, back it then. to that. Well done. Oh, there you go. It's covered. Uh, listen, <laughs> stick around because up next we're going to be talking about cars. And uh, weirdly, although Apple are scaling down their plans, other companies are ramping them up. We're going to be talking to Greg Hayes next as he ex- talks about his experience of getting around Phoenix, in Arizona with an autonomous Uber.
0: Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com. We'll be right back. Call the Double Tappers now, one 803 4567 or email us feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com. Okay, let's talk driverless
1: cars because uh, Greg Hayes has been on with us before talking about his experience of uh, using the Waymo uh, driving autonomous car, a taxi as it is actually in Phoenix. Uh, Well, now he's been trying out the Uber car. Uh, Greg is with
0: us. Hey, Greg. Hey, thank you. Good to talk to you.
1: Good to talk to you too. And, you know, I love talking about driverless cars, especially when I get to the end of 2023, and all I hear about is, oh, the driverless car phenomenon is finished. No one wants them. And Cruise was terrible, and that all felt a bit. So, you know, clearly the whole thing's a disaster, and nothing will ever come of it. Never going to happen. I love the mainstream tech press on this stuff.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> now, yeah, Cruise was a bit of a disappointment over in San Francisco, but uh, it is not the end of driverless cars. I can tell you that because it's going strong uh, with Waymo and Uber in Phoenix. So just for people who don't know about the cruise story, because I
1: thought this was quite interesting, it seems to me anyway from my limited understanding, and, you know, I could read about it, but who's got the time? Uh, (laughs) So, you know, my understanding was that cruise went a little bit too quickly. And I don't mean in terms of speed in the car, um, but in terms of development. They kind of moved a little bit too quickly. They didn't necessarily listen to all the safety concerns. And so they were having little accidents and bumps along the way, um, things were happening more regularly with Cruz than perhaps with other manufacturers, and that was causing, I guess, investors to get a little bit nervous.
0: Yeah, Cruz was uh, taken away. The Department of Motor Vehicles in California basically took away their their testing license uh, because they were not safe enough. They were having some problems with uh, crashes, and in fact, I, there was one story that's horrible. Um, that one woman got hit by a regular car and she was on the ground and the cruise car ran over her so yeah they, they've kind of lost their license because they're just not safe enough and yes i believe it's because they moved way too fast
2: mm. well that, that's the danger area though isn't it because there is a bit of a race for this who's going to get there first who's going to take the the uh the majority of the market out there who can get to as many cities Agreed. as possible so there is that that sort of balancing act between safety record and getting people's confidence up in driverless cars and that being the first past the finish line it's, it's a tricky tricky balancing act to keep on
0: no i agree and if they don't if they don't do it safely um nobody's ever going to take it seriously and allow it it does it does seem interesting to me though
1: that they do tend to hold these cars with and, and Rightly so. They should absolutely hold them to a high standard, but they don't hold drivers to this high standard. And, you know, the know. stats are clear on this, that human drivers behind the wheel cause so many accidents and way more than a lot of these uh, cars combined have actually been able to, to pull off themselves. You know, so the driverless cars are, are having less accidents not no accidents, but they're they're having accidents. And so the idea that we kind of hold them to this which again I understand because we're nervous about this new technology and it has to be right and I get that. But also there's, there's there's a little bit of a it's it's almost too skeptical for me sometimes from the mainstream press, from from regular drivers who just want to hold on to that wheel for as long as they possibly can.
0: Right. And I can't tell you the stats that include crews, because I don't we don't have crews here in Phoenix, but I can tell you but the WayMO, and now Waymo with Uber, which we'll talk about in a minute, but their safety record is great. Um, there was a, an independent insurance company did some stats, and the uh, claims, if you will, for personal injury, a hundred percent less with Waymo than mm-hmm. with the same you know with, with regular cars. And then uh, the, in, the damage to property was 73% less. So that's is huge. Um, and if it's done right, as Waymo has done, it's safe. They have not had any accidents here in Phoenix that were them, that were caused by them. They've had other cars hit, uh, you know, other cars cause crashes, but these cars have not caused the crashes. Um, there's been a couple of incidents where they've been a little... Two, you know they've pulled over because it didn't know what to do but i'd rather that i'd rather it pull over and be safe
2: yeah i wish human drivers did more of that going. right pull over <laughs> yes, if you sir. don't know what to do because <laughs> yeah it is incredibly serious though and i think you're absolutely right Stephen. i mean human drivers we seem to ah oh, well you know we expect this when you look at the stats about how many deaths are on the road it's absolutely staggering yearly and yet, w- yes. what are we aiming for for driverless? Are we aiming for perfection, zero, or what? What is I think you can. what is acceptable?
0: Right. I think it has to be better than what it is for human drive. But as you as you just pointed out, that's a low bar. It's <laughs> that's, mm. that's pretty hard. You know, human drivers are pretty horrible. So I think it has to, you know, it has to show that it's much better than that. But I don't think you can, you'll can. you ever get perfection. There's no such thing as perfection.
1: And the reason I get a little bit irritated by this whole discussion is because I am relying, as is Sean, as are you, we're relying on other people all the time to do our driving for us. We don't drive. So at the moment, the only option is for us to put our faith in a human. Now, I have got into taxis on the odd occasion. I'm sure we all have. Where the guy or the girl, usually a guy, especially in a taxi, is, is behind the wheel. And it might be someone who's a bit older, and I'm not saying all old drivers can't drive, but there are some that, you know, you can instantly tell with the way the car is being driven, that this person's either a little bit nervous or a little bit unsure. And, you know, I've been in a situation where I remember we were on a, a highway driving along the next minute. Uh, this driver is is asking me where we should go, and I'm saying I, I have no idea. I said I I don't I don't know where we are at this point. I had no clue. He didn't know where we were heading. He was veering off on different onto different lanes. I could hear cars around, you know, hammering on the horn. Um, I could hear trucks, you know, as if you know slowing down. And you know when a, when a truck slows down, you know you've got trouble because trucks don't slow down, and they they, they know what they're doing. So yeah, you know right. if if a truck is Blasting its horn at you. You're doing something wrong. Please listen. <laughs> yep, yep. And I honestly thought that this was just the day I was going to die. And it's a horrible feeling because you're, you have no control over it whatsoever. No control. Now, do I want to necessarily put my trust into a computer to do that? Well, look, I don't know. But I do know that one thing is you take away that tiredness, you take away the ego, you take away the attitude that comes with drivers. I've been in cars with guys, especially younger guys, who, you know, it's a competition to see who can beat the lights and, you know, driving up the backside of someone because, you know, that person's pulled out on them or whatever. And you just like, calm down, you know. You're not going to get that with driverless cars.
0: I'll tell you, when we talked last time, um, one of the big things that I enjoy about this is that I don't have to interact with another driver um, or with the driver. You know, I get to go into this car and it's just me. In my case, me and my guide dog. But I don't have to talk to the driver. I don't have to worry if he had a bad night last night. If he's tired or you know recovering from a drinking bender. Yep, yeah, exactly. I it's it's going to be the same, and I just feel safe in the car.
2: It's difficult in that situation as well because if you sort of challenge the driver, they're almost dismissive of you. Well, what would you mm-hmm. know about driving? You know,
0: mm-hmm. I've had especially blind people. Oh, exactly yes. right.
2: That's the, that's the point. And the the, the I use a, a a taxi company regularly, and there's a couple one who picked me up just a couple of days ago uh, was on the phone the entire journey. Now, hands free. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Hands free. But still, it was you know talking and laughing away the entire journey, and you think. Are you actually really concentrating on the road or another one who plays his music so incredibly loud you can't hear anything else? You think right, right. you just feel slight. It makes you anxious. Uh, yeah. It's one of those rare occasions where you think actually taking the human factor out of this is actually probably beneficial.
0: I find it so. I say it's, a, it's a relaxing experience for me. So the last time we spoke, we were talking to you
1: about your experience of way more driverless cars. And that was a really interesting conversation. And you can go back and listen to that t- chat that we had with Greg on our website, DoubleTapOnAir.com. You can search for Waymo uh, or Greg, and uh, you can uh, check out that conversation because it was really, really interesting. And we got a chance to hear your experience. Well, you've been out again, and this time around you've been trying Uber. And this was kind of, I guess, by request, right? Because you had mentioned, or we had mentioned, or someone had mentioned that you know U- Uber had come to Phoenix and immediately Sean and I said, ah, Greg will have a, had a shot in one of those. <laughs> so um, you did and you sent in your results. So let's listen into to your experience inside a uh, Uber uh, car as opposed to the Waymo car uh, to see what the differences were.
0: I'm in the car. It was a little different than doing it with Waymo. Getting to the car was a little more difficult. I ended up having to talk to support and get them to beep the horn for me and do things like that. But other than that, Uber is uh, using the Waymo service and kind of subcontracting to them. Once I'm in the car, it's exactly the same. I'm in the back seat with my guide dog. There's nobody up front and things are driving along. It's not talking as much because I don't think it has the same preferences that I was able to turn on when I used Waymo to have it tell me what's going on. When I used Waymo, it would tell me that I'm approaching 15th Avenue or whatever it might be, and that I'm going to turn right or left. This one is more silent. And when I just looked around in the app, the Uber app, uh, I don't have all the same options. It did talk to me when I first got in, told me to buckle up and I'm to start the ride, which you do in the app. And I was able to do all that. And it gave me a little intro and told me what was going on. But other than that, it's never not talking to me for the whole ride. So I have a feeling the next time I'm going to hear it is when I arrive at my destination. Which, by the way, is a restaurant called the Spaghetti Factory. So you might hear that. Almost there. Don't forget your belongings. Okay. That's normal. For your safety, the doors will remain locked when we arrive. Pull the handle twice to exit. The first pull unlocks. The second opens the door. Okay, we are quite there. Just tell me what to do once I do get there, which is cool. I'm still it's still driving. But I hear the directional, the blinker, whatever you want to call it, going. So I have a feeling we're about to pull into the place. You're here. Please make sure it's clear before exiting. Okay. So Gather my guide dogs. Leech and pull on it twice to get out. Okay, so it's asked me to close the door, that I've exited and I'm getting out of its way. And I think the car will just take off now. So, my next step is to find the front door to this place. So, I guess I'll be going into my, uh, my magnifier app and using the LiDAR. Talk to you
1: later. Absolutely fascinating to hear your reaction to that, and, and you know it's almost you've been obviously trying these a couple of times. You're getting used to the idea, which is interesting, right? That you're starting to get used to the way it works. You're used to what you're uh, awaiting to hear. You're knowing what you're not hearing inside the Uber car. So you know clearly a few differences between the Waymo and the Uber here, but the result the same, right? You're being dropped off at the right
0: place. That's absolutely right, and it's funny. I'm, I'm listening to myself on that. Just remember the first time I did it. I think I sound a little more excited. And it is. It's still exciting. But but now I've done it a few times. It's old hat. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, but it is quite, as I said, the the, the experience in a lot of ways was exactly the same. Because it is, Waymo is being subcontracted to Uber in this case. So it's the same kind of car. Once you're in the car, mostly it's the same, but as I mentioned, the experience for a blind person, uh, I, I found it easier to use Waymo directly because the app, um, the, the Uber app is absolutely accessible, but the Waymo app allowed me to do a few things that I couldn't do with the Uber app. For instance, when I got picked up, I got picked up from my office and The office doesn't have a good place for the uh, car to pull in to the front door. So it parks across the street and and up the street a little bit. So, as a blind person, you don't know where that is. With Waymo, I can go and um, go into the app and I can basically do a fine lie, just like on your Apple phone. I I can do a fine lie and get walking directions to the car. And that's super helpful. And when I get there, I can get it to beep. It's just complete independence. In this case, I had to call Uber said, where's my car? It's there. You know, they told me the the, uh, address that it was at. And uh, I said, well, that doesn't really help me uh, because I'm at that address and I can't find the car. Where is it? So then they put me through to Waymo's support team and that support team was great once I got through to them, but that took a few minutes because I had to transfer with Waymo. They gave me you know, directions because the, the person at Waymo could look out the cameras of the car and say, uh. you know, Oh, I see you <laughs> walk. You know, I'm over uh, here. Yeah. Hundred, yeah, yeah. <laughs> beep beep. Walk a hundred yards, you know, uh, to your South or whatever. And, uh, I did that, and then when I got close, he started beeping the horns for me. Again, which is great, but I didn't have to do that. I didn't need that when I was using Waymo. I did need that when I used Uber because that wasn't an
2: option. But that's so important, right? The technology itself is the same. The Waymo, Uber is just using that technology. But the experience so different because of, well, I would say two things. I was just going to say the app right yes the uber app is accessible but it doesn't have those extra features there um but i would also say the the training of the uber support saying i don't yes, know what exactly. to do i'm sorry isn't enough uh, that that isn't good enough um so it's a really interesting experience uh, two things there finding the, the car in the first place is a major thing i i think the ability for you to do that from the app is incredibly important and secondly the amount of the verbosity, if you like, on the ride. Because That's right. I, I would be anxious if I hadn't heard anything in a while. I mean, where am I going? Um, I, I, I like to have more information than less information, or at least have the
0: choice. I almost felt like bringing up one of my other map apps, you know, so it would tell me where I am. <laughs> That's why I do in right? a taxi all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Right. right, exactly. But, you know, I didn't want to do that. And it was pleasant in the Waymo I mean, when using the Waymo app, because again, I can go in and there's a preference you can turn on or off, uh, whether you want for paucity or not. And I really enjoyed having it tell me where I was and what was going on. And if I wanted to, I could have turned that off if if it's too much, but it wasn't. It it was enjoyable. In the Waymo demo, that's not there.
1: In the Waymo demo, I was really impressed when the car stopped at an intersection, the indicator was on and it was staying there for a while and then all of a sudden the voice tells you you know we're waiting because there's lots of traffic or whatever it was it was telling you why the car was was sitting rather than moving and you know i I just think that level of verbosity and intelligence within the car is what is going to make this such an exciting experience for us because we'll feel comfortable with it and you know i i feel it sounds to me like from your experiences of waymo and uber so far that Waymo is the apple at the moment of driverless cars. Yes. Yeah. You know, and you know what's going to happen, of course, because as soon as blind people start using this, you know, in, in their area, if Waymo comes to their town, if they know that app is accessible, we're just going to go to it. We're just going to use that because we just know it's going to be the one that works. And then Uber won't be used by us. Although I do wonder if the cameras on board will pick up on the fact that there's a guide dog getting in the car and they'll just drive off. Uh, before we get a chance to get in,
0: <laughs>
1: shouting about some medical condition it doesn't have.
0: I'm allergic.
1: Yeah, this <laughs> leather can't can't take dog here.
0: That's what you, you say Waymo is the apple, and I agree. It's the software experience basically is better. The hardware experience is exactly the mm. same, but the software experience was better. Um, and I, you know, next time I take a ride, I'm going to choose the Waymo app. Um, the only advantage, the only advantage Uber has over Waymo for me, um, is that I could, you know, if a Waymo car wasn't available, I could then just get in a dry, a driven car, you know, a person driven. Yeah, um, I had a there was a preference with with Uber, the Uber app saying anywhere I could say wherever possible, give me a driverless car, and that which I, of course I chose, but you know, if there was no Waymo car nearby. I could, I could have gotten a, a regular Uber person. So
2: how often have you used the driverless cars now? It's been a while since you did that initial Waymo test, right?
0: A handful of times, uh, three or four times, I think. Uh, I don't, unfortunately, it doesn't come to my house yet. And I work from home for the most part. So the only time I use this is when I have to go into the office and want to go to lunch like I did this time um, or or when Stephen says, hey, will you go check out the room for us? <laughs> oh, yeah, I could fly all
1: the way to Phoenix, and I would love to. But, you know, as the song says, by the time I get to Phoenix, uh, Mr. F is nervous because the budget's gone up a bit. <laughs> there you go. That's fair. I
2: want That's to go fair. for spaghetti.
0: No,
2: I... <laughs> spaghetti? That's where he went. The spaghetti That's factory, fair. was it?
0: The spaghetti factory was uh, the one that you the have. You know that Italy is a bit nearer. <laughs> Well, when they have a driverless car, we can yeah, all meet in Italy.
2: So you, you trust wise? Then do you feel perfectly confident, perfectly secure in a driverless car? Yes. Oh wow! Not not even waiting. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Not,
0: there's no. I feel safe. I feel comfortable. Um, as I, say, I, I, it's just me. I get to just do whatever I want. If I want to listen to music, I can listen to my music. I don't have to listen to theirs. I don't have to talk to them. But. Just like Stephen was saying, um, when, it, when, when it pulls up and it's not taking off, you know, I know that it's being careful. Um, when, it, when it was coming to that intersection, it wasn't taking off right away. I know it's because it's being careful. And I appreciate that. I trust the computer more than I trust the average human uh, at driving.
2: That's so interesting. I wondered how many sighted people would feel the same way.
0: No, I don't think there's a lot of them. And when I say this to my sighted friends, I tell them about it. Some of them are very intrigued and, and went and tried it. But I, I got a lot of reactions. I would never do that um, from the sighted folks because mm. they, they want to drive. They, they, wanna, they think that they have more ability than the computer does. I look at the stats and say, you're wrong. Yeah, there's no evidence to that and at all.
1: There really isn't. And and, and that's becoming clearer. And unfortunately, that's the fight we have. It's not with the technology. I have hope here. And the hope comes from the Gen Z mob. Because, you know, these are the the kids of today. Uh, They don't want to do anything. And least of all drive. Least of all, you know, they want to sit on their phones all the time. That's all they want to do. They want to sit on their phones and they want to ticky talk themselves you say
2: that like it's a bad thing. I'm just, I'm not complaining.
1: I'm just, well, I, I am complaining about it, but not in this instance. Because generally, I think, you know, what a bunch of lazy, but actually, in this occasion, I think this is quite good. This is good for us because they yes. will be the ones who will just, because honestly, if you dropped a, a, a hundred thousand of these cars into the UK or into the States or into Canada
0: tomorrow, the Gen Zers would just, they just use them. I think they use Urban more. Absolutely. And this is three out. Three out. Three old guys talking, but I just remember when I when I was a kid. My yeah, sorry. When, <laughs> I, I, when I was a kid, my friends were all trying to get their driver's license. Um, the kids, you know, I have a couple uh, young twenties kids now. They weren't as keen to go and get their driver's permit, driver's license, no. uh, as they were in my day. They and they use Uber all the time. They do have driver's license now. My kids are listening. I want to make sure that's clear. <laughs> um, <but. laughs>
2: My eldest is only just started to take lessons now because they, they think nothing of taking the tram or jumping in a taxi or Uber at all. It just right. seems so much hassle to actually own the car yourself. And I think you're right, Stephen. I think that is the way the youth are going to drive it. Well, it has, like,
1: it's a it's a seismic shift because I remember growing up you know, getting a taxi was a pretty, you know, big deal. Whereas now people don't even think twice about it. You're right. And, and it's, um, it's a kind of sad indictment of our world in a way that there are people who can just do that. And there are people who, you know, are still struggling to understand how they're going to feed themselves at the end of a day. Um, and that, that division is pretty stark, but it is a division that we live within now. And there are a lot of people who, like you say, and I'm one of them, I will not even think twice. If I'm in a city, if I'm anywhere, and that's what I love about Uber in particular, in any city I'm in, pretty much, you know, I can just go into my Uber app, summon a car, and there it is. You know, if they sort out the accessibility issues with the car and and the technology and and all the rest of it, and they get these driverless cars out there, that's going to be a really, really interesting thing. But, you know, we're seeing Waymo moving along. We're seeing other companies coming along with this. why is Phoenix the the
0: world center of this at the moment? What's going on there? I think I think it was a great test bed because we don't have weather right? It gets hot here, but other than that, there's not a whole lot of big <laughs> rainstorms. there's certainly no snow right um so I think they wanted to use us as a test bed because they could do it uh year round without a lot of worry. Now they need to move into cities that have real weather um but i think and you know california is the second. waymo's now in san francisco and they just open up in la these are all places that don't have a whole lot of uh weather the only thing only difference in san francisco is they have more hills we're very flat so that's the only difference but i'd like to see this you know take off in philadelphia or new york or london or
2: yeah, well, Manchester. Th- that's good. Hey, well, it's going to be the <laughs> test, though, right? Because when you introduce snow or rain, then the, the environment changes from a recognizable yes. point of view. If you can't read the road markings on the road, the white lines, the whatever else it may be because of snow or ice or whatever, then it makes it a thousand times more difficult. So that is the real test. I think you're absolutely right there. At the, at, in Phoenix or wherever, where it's, you know, you can pr- pretty much guarantee clear sunny weather then the environment isn't going to change that much
0: so i think that's it and then the second reason is uh that the legislature here the in arizona was open to it they were you know more willing to let somebody come and try this
1: it's interesting because here where, where i live the city of glasgow is about to get its first next year in 2025 it is going to have the first driverless subway system in the uk uh, the, there are driverless train networks in other parts of the, the country, but I don't think there's any subways that are running like this. And, and Glasgow Underground is, is a very small underground s- service. I think it's got like 20 stations or something. It's not a big, uh, thriving network, but it's a very well used network, you know, moving people around the, the city. And um, it'll be really interesting to see how people react to that, and and how because there's obviously other concerns when it comes to public transport. If there's no staff and it's a Friday night at 9 or 10 at night, you know, how safe is that going to be? You know, there's that aspect of it as well. I don't know if we think about that in terms of taxis. I often think, I remember when we first brought this subject up way back when, I remember one of our listeners, I think it was Bilal, if I remember rightly, got in touch with us. Do you remember this one, Sean? And left us a message saying, yeah, but what happens if somebody stands in front of the car and someone else stands behind the car?
2: That's right. I do remember Remember that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's such a and that question to me still is an issue today, right? How can this car identify danger? Is that part of the 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 ethics that's built into the car? Can it identify danger, and what can it do about
0: it? What would a human do in that situation? Right, probably drive through them. I would imagine. (laughs) Right.
1: No, but the point. I think the point being, though, that as a blind person in that car, how would he know there is a danger? I don't know. I mean, I suppose the, the answer to that will probably come from, like you say, somebody being able to see out the, the, you know, using the cameras of the car from a central location, being able to monitor what's going on with them.
0: One of the things it does when you get in the car and it, it, the voice will tell you, you know, if you want to stop, you know, press the button on your app and it, it'll just pull over. if you If you feel unsafe, It'll pull over because you overrode it. Is there
1: a is there a "get me the hell out of here" button?
0: Yeah, in essence, <laughs> it sure is. but it won't go any further. It'll just pull over. No,
1: I, I want the opposite. I want a car to press a button and this thing shoots off at 100 miles an hour in whatever direction <laughs> no, it has this,
0: to. Sorry, no, so the, the rock
1: there, behind sorry. the wheel, you know.
2: Well, what you just need—you need that verbosity back, don't you? The person detected at the front, right. so we cannot proceed, and someone at the back cannot proceed. I mean, the, the difference yes. between—is that actual a danger, or is that just some drunk who mm. can't move or doesn't or is playing around? Um, in that case, you just call support or call, you know, whoever emergency.
0: Right. That was the other thing. You know, besides pressing the button to have it pull over, which in that in your situation, I'm not sure it could because it's pinned. But I could then. If it didn't do anything, I could then press the button and talk to support, and they'd be looking through the cameras and telling me what's going on.
1: And then in this so, dystopian future, a robotic
2: police person would come along and oh, tell them to move along. You have 20 seconds to comply. Ah, oh, it's all coming true. <laughs> I can hear the pyong
1: piong sound effects as as we go. This, this is turning into a sci-fi movie. I don't even like sci-fi movies, but I'm about to live in one. Maybe I should watch Star Wars, then I've got a sense to know what's coming along.
0: I'm so sad listening to you sometimes. <laughs> well, Greg, you are now
2: our official driverless cars correspondent. So yes. thank you so much.
0: You're very welcome. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, if another service comes along that you want me to go test, let me know. Uh,
1: Greg, it's been great talking to you as always. Thanks so much for coming on, sharing your thoughts on this. It is such an interesting area that we're moving into in 2024. It seems like Phoenix is the place to be. All sun, all year round, sunshine and uh, driverless cars Uh, if you've got gigabit internet and a mcdonald's that delivers i'm in
2: hey we do so come on over you had me at spaghetti (laughs) (laughs) greg thanks so much you're welcome bye now thanks greg
1: well, there you go, Sean. We just have to go to Phoenix and Arizona on a fairly regular basis just to get a taxi from one part of the town to another and, and experience autonomous travel.
2: I, it's worth it. As I said, I really like spaghetti, so I'm, I'm up for that. It, it's Look, for the longest time I've been saying, I don't think this is going to happen in my lifetime. After that initial, oh, driverless cars, this is going to be amazing. And I just didn't see it happening. I thought it was progressing really slowly. But it is happening and you know Greg is living proof there he's using this and that's the weirdest thing about this in On one hand
1: it's like we're sitting here thinking God this will never happen and then he's doing it he's using these cars it's exactly. not like it's a dream to
2: him yeah yeah I just hope it, it spreads out and gets to more cities soon because it sounds really cool to me that's well, so about out of time keep in touch we'll get into more
1: of your conversations as we continue Double Tap tomorrow uh, for now though Sean Priest thank you
2: thank you bye bye